Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. WPHT, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5.30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Yes, the Nashville Shooter Manifesto seems to be out there, but uh, are the Nashville police confirming it? That's the question. Joe Biden is a five-alarm fire ringing for his re-election, which is why prominent Democrat strategists are calling on him to get out. And Trump is still in court. And the Attorney General has issued yet another statement. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. But tomorrow is officially Election Day. For Pennsylvania, for New Jersey, we have some 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 big issues to talk about and some great candidates out there. One of them joins me now. Maria Batista is a candidate for Superior Court in Pennsylvania. Hello, Maria. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I was in Erie uh, for the first part of the day, and now I'm in Allegheny County finishing up the day. Finishing up the day. All right. Now, so for people that that are confused, what's the difference between the Supreme Court and the Superior Court? So in about 97% of cases, the Superior Court is the court of last resort for criminal cases and most civil cases. And those civil cases could be from family matters dealing with uh, children. It could be uh, your inheritance rights, your property rights. It could be business matters, contract actions, uh, complex litigation, and so much more. And only about 3% at most of those cases are appealed to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is the highest court in Pennsylvania, and there are two intermediate courts just below the Supreme Court. The Superior Court, like I said, does the criminal and most civil cases. And then the Commonwealth Court, which is a sister or intermediate appellate court, hears government, board, and commission cases. So it's very important. And uh, your background, you you uh, you have been involved in this uh, legal matters, I should say, for, for, for quite some time. So tell us about your background. Yes. So I have the background that lends itself very well to be a judge on the Superior Court. I've done the civil types of cases. I've done the family matters, including the child custody adoption cases. I've also done the several real estate matters, including dealing with oil and gas. I've done the business matters. I've done wills and estates. I've done some complex litigation. I've also done insurance defense work as well as personal injury. All those types of civil cases, if appealed, would go to the Superior Court. I'm also a former prosecutor. I work closely with law enforcement. I've done the jury trials. I've done the bench trials where you're doing a trial in front of a judge uh, in two counties, both Fernando and Franklin counties. I I also served under Governor Corbett and then into the next administration for a short period of time, but overall for over six years. And when I was in the Department of Health, 
I was one of 13 attorneys, and I oversaw all the licensing for home care, home health care, hospices, birth centers, dialysis centers, as well as the Drug, Device, and Cosmetic Act. That drug act is what law enforcement uses every single day uh, when they are out and about keeping our community safe. I also worked with the Office of Attorney General on certain cases dealing with that drug act. Then when I went as a legal counsel over to the Department of State, I was a hearing examiner for over three years. That is similar to a sitting judge that is elected in your court of common pleas. The difference is it's administrative law, and I was not elected by the people. I was given this position through the executive branch where you still hear cases like you would do in a courtroom. If they look the same, um, the only difference is there are no jury trials, so you have both the parties, um, the Commonwealth and the respondent, you have a petitioner in some cases, but the issues would be administrative law. I would listen to the testimony of those witnesses, including expert witnesses. I would evaluate the credibility of those witnesses, and I would issue those decisions. And if appealed, those decisions would ultimately go to the sister court to the Superior Court, to Commonwealth Court, because it would have been a government agency case. But I heard cases from the majority of the state agencies in this Commonwealth. Well, that's good. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go go, go ahead. Keep going, please. So what I was going to also say is I just left the uh, Navy uh, working with the, I was not active duty. I was a civilian employee doing negotiations and contracts for their weapon systems, and I had to resign from that job in order to run for this position. So right now I'm working in the private sector. But the one thing that also gives me unique, one-of-a-kind experience, not only have I done the civil and criminal law that goes to Superior and the administrative law that goes to the Commonwealth, but I also have a unique educational background. I have five degrees. Three of them are in education. So I have an elementary ed degree, I have a master's in education, and I have a doctorate in educational leadership. Why is that important? Not required, but certainly a benefit to me as a sitting judge on the Superior Court and to help my colleagues on the Superior Court. Because the second largest body of law after the criminal cases, which is about 70% of the caseload, are those dealing with families and children. So when you're trying to determine what is in the best interest of a child, having that additional knowledge and also teaching in a K-12 and in higher education, I have a better understanding and worldview when we're trying to determine if there was an error from the court below. And I can import, impart that knowledge not only in the panels of three for which I would be sitting, but also to the whole bench. So I think that's really important when people are trying to make decisions and what differentiates the candidates. Not only do I have the experience that are necessary to be a great judge on the Superior Court, I have additional skills and experience that I can bring to that court that no one else has. And and tell us why it's so important that you are a Republican, that a Republican gets in there. What, why this matters? Well, what matters, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or any other person, is that it matters because these decisions affect each and every one of us every single day. When you think about the profile and how much attention is given to the governor's race, a Senate race, a House of Representatives race, it takes 129 people, 129 people, 26 senators, 102 House of Representatives, and a governor's signature to make a law. It takes, because there's 15 judges that sit on the Superior Court and they sit for most cases in panels of three, two of three judges, two, decide the fate of where a child goes, if someone stays in jail, whether you keep your property rights, and so much more. When people say that this is an off-year election, it's like uh, if you understood and truly understood the importance of these decisions and how they impact your life every single day, even if you're not a party to the litigation, the the decisions of the Superior Court, because they are the court of last resort in about 97% of all criminal and most civil cases, that is the precedent for which all of us must you know, abide by. So that's why it's so important. You want judges, because it's 10-year terms, to uphold the law, to uphold the state and U.S. constitutions, and look at each each case individually, because each case has very specific facts. And that will drive when you're evaluating that case against the law and what's being claimed as an error, because the Superior Court is an error-correcting court. 
Well, listen, I wish you the best of luck, Maria. I thank you for your time today, and uh, good luck tomorrow. Maria Batista, if people want to learn more about you, Maria, what you, where can they find you? They can find me on my website and on Facebook at Batista, B as in boy, A-T-T-I-S-T-A, for judge com or Batista for Judge on Facebook. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you to your listeners for learning a little bit more about me, and I would be honored to have your vote tomorrow. For Superior Court of Pennsylvania. Thanks, Maria. Maria Batista, appreciate it. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour. Happy hour. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday. Now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelCapeMay.com. All right, so uh, a lot going on nationally right now, a lot. The Biden numbers are uh, horrific, uh, and the Nashville Shooter Manifesto. So that story that's out there right now as well. Now, look, you know, like anything else, you know me, I pride myself on I don't have to be the first to talk about something. I want to make sure that when I bring it to you, I'm right, and I'm I'm giving you all the information. I, I, I don't know for 100% certainty if this is, in fact, the Nashville Shooters Manifesto. I don't know that. I haven't seen it. I haven't read it. I haven't been able to hold it in my hands, my formerly pangolin-stained fingers. So what I can tell you, though, is judging from the reaction by the Nashville Police Department, it certainly appears as if this is definitely real here. Uh, because they're putting out one of those Ophelia Duff protest too much statements. So let me let me share with you the, the 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 statement here that the Nashville PD put out. And here's the statement. They said uh, three times today they said that this manifesto, the images alleged to be part of the Christian Covenant school shooters manifesto are not quote crime scene images. Conservative political commentator Stephen Crowder posted photographs of three pages, which he alleged are part of a manifesto written by the now-deceased Audrey Hale, who killed six people inside the Covenant School with a firearm in Nashville, Tennessee, back in March. Obviously, we all remember when that happened. And the (coughs) Metropolitan Nashville Police Department in communication with the Metropolitan Department of Law, as an investigation begun this morning, continues into the dissemination of three photographs of writings during an online discussion about Covenant School. The photographs are not crime scene images, the statements the statement reads. Authorities confirmed they discovered a manifesto written by Hale in which she had allegedly planned the attack for several weeks. I'm reading this from the Daily Caller. Following the shooting, authorities obtained the manifesto, which is an ongoing investigation by the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit. The MNPD told the Daily Caller earlier Monday that they currently don't know whether the three pages are authentic. I don't know at this time, a spokeswoman told the Daily Caller via phone call in response to whether they could confirm the authenticity of the pages. A spokesperson later told the caller they had no update on the information as the department is still looking into the matter. Quote, the police department has been in contact with a representative of Covenant families. Police department counselors are available to assist them in coping with the emotional trauma caused by the dissemination. A police spokeswoman told Fox News that they are aware of a possible leak of the manifesto. David Rabin, an attorney representing Hale's parents, said he could not confirm the page's authenticity, according to the local NBC outlet, saying, quote, We have never seen a manifesto at any time. We're not in a position to authenticate these pieces of paper. We have absolutely not released anything, but we certainly did not release this. It's inappropriate for me to make any further comment about it. Crowder posted photos of a notebook in which the first page was headlined Death Day, where it describes the writer's excitement to shoot people inside the school and have a high death count. The next alleged page reads, page reads Kill Those Kids at the top, followed by Those Crackers, a derogatory term for white people. Kill those kids, kill those crackers, the page posted by Crowder reads, going to private fancy schools with those fancy quackies, 
I assume khakis, and sports backpacks with their daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. F you, you little S's. I wish to shoot your weak blank blank with your mop yellow hair. Want to kill all you little crackers. Bunch of little derogatory word for gay people, the derogatory F word for gay people with your white privilege. F you and derogatory word for gay people again. This is what came out here now. Now, the next alleged page shows a schedule of the day leading up to the shooting, listing 12.33 p.m. as the time to open fire and then die soon after, according to the photograph posted by Crowder. Now, remember that the shooter is transgender, and and the media had to tie themselves into knots covering this, this transgender school shooter because, obviously, this is a whole narrative problem for them. Shortly after the shooting, authorities revealed that Hale was a female who identified as a male and worked as an artist. She had bought seven firearms legally, despite medical professionals' concerns about her mental state. And law enforcement previously said they would have confiscated her firearms if they had been made aware of the concerns. Nashville Metro Police Department told the Daily Caller News Foundation in late March they were not publicly releasing the manifesto due to an open investigation. They were investigating the manifesto that had been previously reported to have maps and writings detailing Hale's plans to shoot up the building. A Nashville City Council member assured the Daily Caller News Foundation that the manifesto would eventually be released to the public. Now, a couple of things have happened today since that came out. Let me share a couple of updates with you on that. So first of all, according to Stephen Crowder himself, He's saying now that Google is censoring the Nashville Manifesto. And I'm sure the social media is doing that. Nashville, the mayor, has launched an investigation into the leak of all this. So the post-millennial is reporting on that, saying that here, um, breaking news, the following the leak of the transgender Nashville shooter's alleged manifesto on Monday morning, Mayor Freddie O'Connell said that the city has launched an investigation to how the images of the writings were released. Quote, I have directed Wally Dietz, Metro's law director, to initiate an investigation into how these images could have been released. That investigation may involve local, state, and federal authorities. I am deeply concerned with the safety, security, and well-being of the Covenant families and all Nashvillians who are grieving, according to the statement from the mayor. This incident naturally invokes additional emotional trauma, and families or individuals who need support should reach out to professionals at the National Alliance on Mental Illness. On Monday morning, Stephen Crowder released three handwritten pages of what he said were Audrey Hale's manifesto. These highlighted an anti-white sentiment held by the shooter that killed three young students and three staff members back in March of 2023. The pages allegedly show how planning the day of the shooting down to the minute, including in all capital letters at the top of the page, death day. Now, but, but you notice, though, that nobody is saying that this is not the shooter's manifesto. They're saying they can't confirm it and that they're launching an investigation into the leak. Ophelia doth protest too much is the old saying. Um, This was given to Crowder possibly now from a source near law enforcement. I'm a little nervous, Hale wrote, but excited too. Been excited for the past two weeks. There were several times I could have been caught, especially in the summer of 2021. None of that matters now. I'm almost an hour and seven minutes away. Can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't. Kill those kids. And then I read you the rest of what was said. Uh, just a flashback for you. This is the White House fembot, the spokesperson, Corrine Jean-Pierre. This is back when this happened. Again, reacting to the Nashville shooting by a transgender student as the media and everybody else try to tie themselves into knots to, to deal with the impact this will have on the transgender community. I, I don't. I, I, anyway, take, take a listen here. And one of the things that we saw during the midterm elections is that people don't want their freedoms to be taken. They want us to fight for their freedoms. And so it is shameful, it is disturbing, and uh, our hearts go out to uh, the, those, the trans community as they are under attack right now. But, and so, so, the, so the trans community is under attack after a transgender shooter 
killed killed kids and staff members at a Christian school, a mostly white Christian school, and was targeting white crackers. But the transgender community was under attack after that. So this this is this is what the White House. That's how the White House reacted at the time. I told you that we'd never see that that manifesto. I, I knew we'd, we we would never see it. They would bury it. They tried to bury it, and then it was leaked, and Crowder was able to get his his hands on it and put it out there. I obviously can't confirm for to, for you that it's real because I haven't seen it, but I can only go by what my gut tells me, and my gut tells me that if it wasn't real, we would have already heard the the Nashville PD and the Nashville mayor and everybody else just jumping over all kinds of hoops to say it's not real, and the fact that they're not doing that says a lot. And and the reason why I told you they would never release it is because again, this is this is a transgender racist motivated by anti-christian bias anti-straight people bias i i the word that the left uses is cisgender and when i use that word i use it to mock how stupid they are with their ridiculous names and sayings and everything like that i don't walk around using that term but it was an anti-white anti-cisgender anti-christian bias that motivated this and audrey hale because she because she's transgender the media didn't know how to cover this so they started they remember they switched he she like they they kept they kept changing those things throughout the course of the writing and the chief at the time had said that there was this manifesto the new york times corrected the record on twitter after publishing an article soon after the shooting illustrating how rare mass shootings by females were if you remember this back then i remember this like it was yesterday they came out and they wrote this whole big story about how rare it is for a woman to commit a mass shooting. And then they had a backtrack because Audrey Hale, while a biological woman, does not identify as a woman. She identifies as a man. So then it became in the mind, in, in normal people's minds, it's still a female shooter. In the, in the woke minds of the New York Times, well, now it's a man doing it. So then the article has no purpose anymore you you see what i mean i i know it's hard to see what i mean because it's it's so it challenges your brain in such a way that you you want to beat it with a mallet over and over again it's the only way to understand all this there was confusion later on monday this is what the new york times put out there was confusion later on monday about the gender identity of the assailant in the nashville shooting officials had used she and her to refer to the suspect who according to a social media post and a linkedin profile appeared to identify as a man in recent months usa today made a similar post on twitter after identifying the shooter as a woman saying police on monday afternoon said the shooter was a transgender man officials had initially misidentified the gender of the shooter that's usa today Outlets that typically use transgender people's preferred pronouns are now avoiding pronoun use altogether and just referring to Hale as Hale. The Washington Post, for example, avoided using either male or female pronouns to refer to Hale in a Monday evening story at the time and instead used the shooter's last name throughout the story. A Monday morning newsletter from Axios similarly avoided using pronouns and instead used Hale's last name or referred to Hale as the shooter. Now, when, when the Daily Caller reached out to the for USA Today about this, this is the statement that they were given at the time. USA Today follows AP guidelines regarding the use of pronouns and referenced GLAD guidelines. That is the Gay Lesbian Alliance for, I don't know, they're not, they, don't, they don't have nearly enough letters in the alphabet in that name so i don't know how they can possibly be a gay and lesbian advocacy organization when they're missing every letter in the alphabet all kinds of plus signs and and other signs and and unicorn symbols and things like that but but anyway i digress usa today follows associated press guidelines regarding the use of pronouns and reference glad guidelines in this instance when we updated our stories following the misidentification by the nashville police department Axios, the New York Times, and the Washington Post all tied themselves in knots, as did the corporate media. There were lots of clips we played back then of the media having to try to figure out how to identify the shooter. They were more concerned about making sure they didn't misgender the the shooter, honestly, than they really were about the motivation of the shooter. And I think that remains the case today. But back then, they were more concerned about misgendering the shooter 
than they were about the motivation behind the shooter because the motivation behind the shooter was an anti-christian anti-straight uh bias anti-straight anti-christian anti-white bias that's what motivated the shooter and we and we knew that then the chief at the time said there was a manifesto and then after that it was like well and then it just disappeared and this is what happens. I mean, this is what happens all the time. This is the, the I, I tell you this all the time. The, the battle for information and what the government does by telling us what's information, what's misinformation, what's disinformation, and the game that's played is that they want to control all of it. So if they don't like the narrative of something, the story just simply goes away. And the corporate media plays right along because it's the unholy triad of the corporate media, big tech up until Elon and the government. So because big tech and the corporate media and government, none of them wanted this to be about a transgender, anti-Christian, anti-white, anti-straight shooter, because all of those things would qualify as hate crimes. And the left, you know, they love their hate crime classifications. They just tried to ignore the story and pretend like the story didn't exist and just leave it out altogether. That's what they tried to do. And then it just disappeared. Until today, when Crowder was able to get a hold of this and leak it out. Again, I don't know if it actually is, but it certainly seems to me, based on the way that they are all protesting this thing, that it, that it is. Because otherwise, why not just come out and just say, nah, this thing's a fugazi? If it's not a fugazi, then, then I mean, if, if it's a fugazi, you just come out and say it's a fugazi. That's the end of it. And you read some of this stuff, and I mean, it's, cra- it's crazy what's written here. Uh, in this manifesto and already with the exception of of twitter social media is doing their thing to try to take it down but since there's not been a denial from the government i have i have no choice but to believe that this thing is real and since the chief of police at the time if you remember the chief of police at the time confirmed the fact that there was a manifesto but but it was interesting if i remember correctly and usually my memory is spot on uh if i remember correctly the chief at first came out and said there was a manifesto and then it was the next day came out and said, well, we don't really think it's relevant. It was, it was, it was a, a change, a, such a dr- drastic and dramatic change. We had the press conference by the chief live on the show. And I remember this, and possibly Matt DeSantis, maybe you remember this as well, because we took those press conferences live back in March. And I'm pretty sure... The day it happened or the day after the chief came out and said there was a manifesto, then the very next day came out and said it wasn't relevant or they didn't they wouldn't release it. Or do you remember that? Yeah, I remember they had the manifesto, but then there was some question as to whether or not they were ever going to release it. And if I I, I don't remember exactly, but I feel like the parents of the victims had some say uh, as to whether or not it was ultimately going to be released, but I don't know what way they... Or did they just use them as the excuse, though? Yeah, I think you might be right, because I don't remember ever hearing definitively that the parents didn't want the manifesto released. I just remember a press conference in which that was referenced as a possible reason as to why they wouldn't release it. Yeah. Hmm. 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 There's a lot here. There's a lot. There's a lot here to this that I need to uh, digest. Obviously, all right. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. If you want to weigh in on any of the stories we were talking about today, I, I, again, I when I'm what 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 I read of this that's posted online, it's nuts, and it's everything I expected it would be. It's full of hate. It's full of racism. It's full of anti-Christian hate. It's full of all those things. But all of those things go against the narrative of the left, because what is the narrative that you're told every day? That at any moment now, white supremacists who hate gay people are going to attack and shoot and kill people. And that doesn't happen. And so when when it happens, when somebody who does it and is motivated by the exact opposite of those things, they hate white people, they, they hate straight people, and they hate Christian people, and then that person does it, well, then all of a sudden the people in the government turn around and go, well, this is going to totally blow up our narrative. Because our narrative is domestic violent extremism is going to happen at any second now, at any moment. We have to beef up the FBI. We've got to beef up the national security state. Got to beef up the police state. Got to monitor you, spy on you, see what you're doing, watch what you're doing, control information, control misinformation, take down disinformation to avoid domestic violent extremism. And every time this happens, they, the media rushes. They rush to declare that something is a hate crime. They rush, always do, except in this case, not in this case. 
How many how many times over the years have we had Fugazi hate crimes? I mean, we talked to Wilford Riley once a week on this program. He is the author of the book, Hate Crime Hoax. I mean, nine times out of ten, they are absolute fug. I would say not even nine times. That's not even a high enough number. So 99% of the time, they're fugazis. And we know that because the follow-up story goes away. It's the, the initial media rush to judgment, whether it's Jesse Smollett and you, then you get, you know, Count Grant Angeles, Spartacus Booker and the Tears of Rage Band, Cory Booker coming out and screaming how we need federal hate crime, uh, anti-lynching legislation, and that turns out to be a fugazi. I mean, it goes on and on. You know, there's shoelace around a tree that turns out to be a, an actual just shoelace and not a noose. Uh, a rope around a tree that turns out to be a guy's rope that he was exercising with and the guy turns out to be black. And I mean, on and on it goes. The woman who writes anti-black sayings on her own dorm room and then claims to be a victim and then turns out she did it. I mean, these are just some of the some of the fugazis that came to mind. But the government in every case, going all the way back, and this is why it's relevant... I talked to you about last week how Matthew Shepard, remember that Matthew Shepard was was brutally killed, a brutal murder, but it wasn't motivated by a, a gay hate crime, despite the fact that to this day the left says it is because the left wants to push that narrative. And it wasn't, but that it was a drug deal gone wrong by one of the lovers of Matthew Shepard. But it doesn't matter because they have to let the narrative go on. So here you actually have somebody who commits a legit hate crime. A legit hate crime because Audrey Hale, she hated Christians and she hated white people and she hated rich people. There's a lot of that bias in there, too. And and uh, and straight people. And, and when when so that's when it actually does happen, when it actually does happen, then suddenly now they all race to say we don't have the facts. We don't have the details. It's just it's it's truly truly amazing. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you would like to weigh in today. All right, so I mentioned to you, December fifteenth is our next and final show of the year at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. Uh, and I would love to see you there. The Grand Hotel is my happy place. You know it's my happy place. I call it my happy place for a reason. You'll be happy when you go. And all you have to do is use my name, Zioli, when you make your reservation for your midweek stays, and you will save 15% off. That's right. And you'll get to enjoy the beautiful heated indoor pool. You know, the kids are off from school later this week. So if you're looking for something to do in New Jersey, I know they have the teacher's convention, take the kids, book a room at the Grand Hotel. You can use the big indoor heated pool. They got the arcade room there. Cape May, weather's beautiful. There's so many fun things to do. The Cape May County Zoo's nearby. And right on site at the Grand Hotel, you've got Hemingway's Restaurant, outstanding, delicious, fresh food, handcrafted drinks, great wine selection, and beautiful rooms, suites, and townhomes. So make your reservation by using my name, Zioli, and you'll save 15% off, but you have to book direct with them for the best rates. You got to book direct with the Grand Hotel by going to grandhotelcapemay.com, grandhotelcapemay.com, and always book direct for the best rates. And mark your calendar, December 15th, our next and final live show of the year at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It's a busy day today. Day before Election Day, tomorrow is the day. So make sure you vote. Obviously, we're going to continue to cover all the election uh, shenanigans for you up until we uh, polls close and we move on from there. Uh, Started the show today by talking about Joe Biden's poll numbers and how awful they are and how in the tank they are. Uh, Also, what's going on in court with Donald Trump and the gag order and everything else. I also want to let you know that a Philadelphia uh, pizza shop employee fatally shot an armed man during an attempted robbery. Your post says that story. 
and so does Channel 6. A Philadelphia pizza, pizza shop employee killed a would-be robber in a shootout on Saturday night. Two armed men entered George's Pizza on Oxford Avenue in the city's Frankfurt neighborhood around 8 p.m. and tried to rob, rob the store. At some point, gunfire was exchanged between the two men and the store employee. One of the suspects was shot several times in the head and the upper body. He was pronounced dead at the scene, according to police. The other suspect fled. It's not clear if he was struck in the gunfight. Nothing was taken from the shop and no injuries were reported. One witness on the scene said he spoke to the employee who said he acted in self-defense. What I saw was a guy lying down on the ground, blood. The owner's son said he had to shoot him because the guy was shooting at him. Said he had to shoot back in self-defense. Said Bill Hackett of the Frankfurt section of Philly. The deceased suspect has not yet been identified by police. And as there's more news on that story, we'll certainly bring it to you throughout the show today. But um, there you go. There's um, no question. <laughs> you got to if you have the, if you have the right to protect yourself, you better exercise it in this day and age, because there's just uh, a lot of people out there who are not afraid. They are criminals are just they're, they're they're brazen right now. There's they're not they're just simply not afraid. Bottom line. All right, 855-839-1210 is the number. I have some more audio I want to share with you. This is, so today in court with Trump, once again, it was another day where the government of the state of New York was prosecuting him, going after him and trying to destroy him, destroy his life, destroy his presidency, destroy his business, period. These are all the things. So I'm going to play for you a couple different clips here. This is the first one was Trump today before he testified in the in the trial. He spoke again after um court but we don't have to replay that one but this one i want to play for you just to kind of set the 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 table here he spoke to reporters outside a new york city courtroom today and this is what the former president said cut number one so while israel is being attacked while ukraine is being attacked while inflation is eating our country alive i'm down here and these are all political opponent attack ads by the Biden administration. Their poll numbers are terrible. You show what happened today. The New York Times and CBS came out with a poll that I'm leading all over the place. But uh, it's a very unfair situation. This is really election interference. And so this trial is ridiculous. The numbers are much greater than on the financial statement. And we've already proven that. They said mar a worth $18 million. mar a worth anywhere from probably 50 to 100 times more than that. And it's a terrible, terrible thing. These are political operatives that I'm going to be dealing with right now. Uh, You have a racist attorney general who made some terrible statements, and you see some more that came over the wires today. It's a very sad situation for our country. We shouldn't have this. This is for third world countries. And it's very unfair. It's very unfair. But in the meantime, the people of the country understand it. They see it. And they don't like it. They don't like it. Because it's uh, political warfare, as you would call it, or political lawfare. Another name. I got a lot of names for it. But usually it takes place in third world countries and banana republics. And nobody's ever seen that. To this extent, we've never seen it here. Uh, but we will go along and we will hopefully uh, do very well in every regard. We'll win the election and we'll make America great again. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make America great again. But we have to take away from the thugs that we deal with and the horrible people that actually must hate our country to do this. But we will uh, we'll fight very hard for our country. Thank you very much, everybody. Now, uh, according to... The New York Times and The Hill, uh, again, there were no cameras in the courtroom, but according to what was happening today, the judge at one point had to tell his attorney, Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, to control his client. And then Trump went on the attack, obviously, as you heard, against the attorney general, Letitia James. Well, well, the government doesn't like when you attack them, even though the, the state of New York is the one prosecuting him here. This isn't, you know, a, a, a civil trial between two people that don't like each other or a company that ripped you off or something like that. This is the government going after him. But the government doesn't like when you criticize them, even though the First Amendment protects you and your criticism of the government. So what happened here is they they they, they still try to shut Trump at down and tr- shut him up. According to, let's see, and I have the audio for you, but 
John Bromwich reporting outside the court inside the courtroom from the New York Times said the following Alina Haba is trying to clarify what they are being asked not to discuss as she again says they will move for a mistrial. She says there is more than the notes passed between the judge and his law clerk at issue. The judge, in a meta moment that he acknowledges, is now consulting with the law clerk in question, Allison Greenfield. The judge says he will allow Trump's lawyers to make the motion they are talking about, a mistrial motion, in writing, and suggests that they will not expose themselves to sanctions if they make the motion. This is this is what the uh, Trump's attorney, Alina Habas, said shortly before I got on the air today regarding what, what was going on in court and what the judge was doing. And it's crazy that this is Monday and we're already here, but nevertheless, we're here. Take a listen. I'm not here to hear what he has to say. Then why exactly am I being paid as an attorney and why exactly are taxpayer dollars being used in this courtroom? The answer is very clear. Because Miss James wants to stand right here like she did this morning and call my client a liar. Call the company fraudulent and make a name for herself. She said this morning that the numbers don't lie and they won't lie in this case. Well, Miss James, I have a message for you. The numbers didn't lie when you ran for governor, and that's why you dropped out. And the numbers don't lie when President Trump runs for office in 2024. And those numbers are loud and clear. This country is falling apart. And if we don't stop corruption in courtrooms where attorneys are gagged, where attorneys are not allowed to say what they need to say to protect their clients' interests, it doesn't matter what your politics are. Everyone has a right in this country to get up and put a defense. I don't care who you are. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can put objections on the record. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can stand up and say something when they see something wrong. But I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear, I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. And you know what? You shouldn't either. Because not every American citizen gets a camera and a microphone. And what I'm seeing is such a demise of American judicial system and democracy. Miss James came out this morning and said that she knew Mr. Trump. She always calls him Mr. Trump because it kills her that he was the president. But the 45th president of this country, one of the best presidents we've had, has built a great company. It's worth a ton more than that statement of financial condition. And she doesn't know how to get out of it because her politics won't allow her. She calls him a bully. She says he's going to bring out racial slurs. He's going to say things today and taunt her. Well, Miss James, you taunted him. Well, there you go. I, I tell you, it's uh, amazing, amazing how this attorney general, Letitia James, is able to get away with all that she's doing. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. She wants to run for governor of New York so bad. And she's using this prosecution against Trump as her platform to do it. That's what's happening. You know it and I know it. And this whole idea that we're going to gag Trump from speaking because somebody out there may hear something and may act on it. Hey, the only person that's done that recently is Audrey Hale, who hated uh, straight white uh, people, Christian people, and then shot and killed them. Otherwise, despite all the warnings from the left, all these Trump supporters are not out there shooting and killing people. They're not killing law clerks. They're not killing judges. And that's the government's excuse to try to keep him to keep his mouth shut. And it's pathetic. And this is what the Attorney General Letitia James said uh, a short time ago outside the courthouse. Take a listen. Mr. Trump obviously can engage in all of these distractions, and that what is what exactly what he did, what he committed on the stand today, engaged in, engaging in distractions and engaging in name-calling. Um, but I will not be bullied. I will not be harassed. This case will go on. We look forward to hearing the testimony of Ivanka Trump on Wednesday, and then we plan on closing our case. Um, and then there will be some motions on Thursday. Um, and then uh, the defense will present their case in chief. Um, justice will prevail. And it's important that all of you understand 
um, that we have already been victorious in our motion for summary judgment. Um, and now we look forward to disgorgement and to the remaining counts in our action against Donald Trump and his repeated and consistent fraud against the citizens of the great state of New York. Do you <laughs> and his consistent fraud against the citizens of the great state of New York, blah, 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 blah. Uh, tell me how this is not a political trial. Tell me how this is not a criminal case. Tell me how this is not them trying to completely destroy this man. And you know why they're doing it. Obviously, we all know why they're doing it. They're doing it because he's crushing Joe Biden. He's beating him like a drum. And this is the point. I mean, this is the point. And meanwhile, in all of this, Joe Biden is losing in five states. And there's all of this evidence that keeps coming out regarding the Biden crime family, not from the government, because the government's not investigating this. Because remember, that's why Hunter Biden got the sweetheart deal that you're not allowed to call a sweetheart deal because it's not a sweetheart deal. It's a deal to protect the president of the United States of America. But in the midst of all of this, we're getting thousands and thousands of, 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 of Fugazi email names that Joe Biden used as president. The money trees out there, the links, the links to this, to that, the the Romania, Russia, Ukraine, China, Hunter Biden making millions of dollars, meetings, all these things being set up, and nobody is actually looking into this from the perspective of law enforcement. So it's left up to House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer. It's left up to Congress, which has an oversight function but doesn't have law enforcement powers. So they're limited in what they can do. But nevertheless, he says, James Comer says, Biden needs to be impeached here, cut two. Based on what you know today, Congressman, should Joe Biden be impeached? I think he should, but that's going to be left up to the speaker. You know, people ask me why I haven't put someone in jail yet. All I can do is investigate. The House of Representatives can determine whether or not to impeach. But at the end of the day, we're going to need an attorney general who does the right thing and prosecutes people according to the law and doesn't have a two-tier system of justice. Well, good. I mean, I'm glad to hear him say that because it's true. Joe Biden does need to be impeached. Uh, We have no options here. I mean, the only option is for Congress to do their thing and to actually get out there and do their thing and try to try to get to the bottom of all this. That's the only choice we have. We don't have another choice here. That's all we can do. And it's frustrating. It really is. It's very frustrating in all of this because, you know, as well as I know, that the evidence is there. It's all there. Um, but you know, when you're told when the government is, is, we live in a police state and the government is there to protect its friends and to hurt its enemies, then nothing is going to happen. But don't think for a second that all of this is not hurting Joe Biden politically. You know, I think there's a reason why guys like David Axelrod came out and, and, and David Axelrod came out and, and said that Joe Biden's got to get out of the race. And, and James Carville has said the same thing. I think I think I think a lot of this does have to do with the corruption. It's one thing for people to turn a blind eye to corruption when they're making money. But when people are hurting, that's when they really have a tough time with this. Trump is leading in these battleground states. Joe Biden's lost his mind. Even Bill Maher acknowledges something which I think is 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 relevant here. And again, I'm using Bill Maher because, look, Bill Maher is a Democrat. He doesn't want Trump. He doesn't want Trump. But he also knows that Joe Biden's going to lose. And he keeps saying that over and over and over again. He keeps telling people that Joe Biden's going to lose. So what you have right now is you have people who are running these shadow campaigns against Joe Biden. He doesn't put all the names in here that are possible candidates, but nevertheless, cut three. You think. 83 percent of Democrats under 30 want a different nominee. Yeah. I mean, number, you know, a lot of politicians lie, but the numbers don't. And it's not like others aren't doing this in a sort of a shadow campaign. I mean, Gavin Newsom, our governor, seems to be all over the world. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, (laughs) you know, they're going to the battleground states in the primary. They're really doing it. I feel like at least you are honest and you're saying, no, I'm going to do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Who is that uh, guest about DeSantis that he had on right now? Uh, that was Congressman Dean Phillips. Congressman Dean Phillips, who actually is running against Joe Biden for president. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Well, Congressman Dean Phillips has no chance of becoming president, but at least he got on Bill Maher's show. So look at it that way, right? Good for Dean Phillips. Plus, he can always be known as a former presidential candidate. Former presidential candidate. 
Dean Phillips. Yes. Right? That's that's all that's all that's why people run for president. They just um, like to say former presidential candidate. Yes, exactly. I think you're right. He's got I a decent, think you're right. He's got a decent chance of winning New Hampshire, I would think. I mean, mm-hmm. Biden's not even going to be on that ballot. <laughs> That's right. Biden's not, Biden's not even going to be on the ballot for the Democrat primary in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. So, I mean, if that guy whose name I've never heard of before wins. <laughs> he will. Who else is going to win? Yeah, I, li- I literally already forgot the name. I, 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 I was just going to say, Dean can you... Phillips. Of Minnesota, I believe. Dean Phillips, Dean Phillips, Dean Phillips. Okay, I got it. Dean Phillips, Dean Phillips, Dean Phillips. Yeah, you got to say it three times. Three there times. Is that like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice? <laughs> Kinda, or is it Candyman? Yeah, oh my God, he's here. <laughs> Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Which one is the one you say three times and it kills you through the window? I think it's both of those. Is it both of those? Beetlejuice and Candyman. Wow. Hmm. Does Beetlejuice kill you? I thought that was I, more of a shows comedy. Up, yeah. yeah. Candyman will kill you. Candyman will kill you. Yeah, don't don't mess with Candyman. Can't don't mess with Candyman will kill you. No doubt about that. No 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 doubt. No no question about it. Uh, but not that guy whose name I just forgot again. What was it again? <laughs> Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips. <laughs> he said his name three times. Now he appears on the New Hampshire ballot. <laughs> That's right. I say his name three times, and he just won New Hampshire. Look at that, huh? Congratulations. <laughs> Amazing. Ah, uh, yes. All right. Um, 855-839-1210 if you would like to weigh in on everything we are saying. Got a big fourth and final hour for you. I'll give you the latest on Biden's horrible, horrible, no good poll numbers. Uh, the Nashville Shooter Manifesto. She hated white privilege. She hated white people. She hated straight people. She hated Christian people. This is why they have tried to cover this manifesto up. And I believe using the families as an excuse to keep the manifesto covered up because it doesn't fit the narrative that the left pushes out there all of the time. 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in. There has never been a better time to get to Cherry Hill Volvo because my friend Judith Krupnik told me they are doing an incredible renovation over there at Cherry Hill Volvo. It's already a beautiful, beautiful uh, dealership, but the renovation is going to be absolutely amazing. So they need to make space. And since they need need to make space for all of the renovation project, this is a great time at Cherry Hill Volvo for you to go. Because here's what they have. An additional $1,000 off all new Volvos plus owner loyalty. Isn't that amazing? And $2,000 off when you're financing or leasing through Volvo Cars. Plus a $7,500 lease rebate on all plug-in Volvos. The dedicated professionals at Cherry Hill Volvo pride themselves on always delivering the luxury experience that you deserve. And they'll certainly continue to do that throughout the remodeling of their dealership. I can't wait to see how beautiful it's going to look when it's all done. It's why I chose Cherry Hill Volvo and continue to choose. And how can you say no to these amazing, amazing offers? $1,000 off all new Volvos plus owner loyalty. $2,000 off when you're financing or leasing through Volvo cars. And that's on top of the other. And then a $7,500 lease rebate on all plug-in Volvos. It's amazing. So I drive the XC40, and I love it. And Bridget has the XC90. And like I told you, with the move to the new house, we made about 500 trips between houses uh, getting stuff. And there's so much cargo room there. It's great. For you and your family, it is the perfect way to go. So please, go there and visit them today. They're right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 